大家晚上好，这里是正在为您直播的《新闻》Welcome to Merrick's Experts, the podcast that provides analysis of current affairs in China. China and artificial intelligence—that's been the big story of the past few months or years. All that is, of course, about machines and computers that learn by themselves. It's about self-driving cars, robotics, medical diagnostics of the future, and much more. China is investing massively into AI, into research and applications. China is also the country that uses AI more visibly than other countries: facial recognition technology to check in at airports, for instance. And China's president and Communist Party leader Xi Jinping has made his ambitions very clear. She said, "By 2030, he wants the country to be the world leader in artificial intelligence." But what's behind all this hype? Is China really on track to surpass the U.S. or other highly industrialized countries in what many consider the key technologies of the future, and what triggered China's launch into this AI frenzy? Hello, I'm Ruth Kirchner, and in this podcast, I want to explore what is behind China's AI dreams. I'm joined by Jeffrey Ding. He's a researcher at the Future of Humanity Institute at the University of Oxford. His work focuses on China's AI strategy and development. Jeffrey, great to have you here in the Merrick Studio. Let's start with what some consider China's Sputnik moment in 2017. It involved the board game Go, which was invented in China some 2,500 years ago, and is more complicated than chess. There was a Google computer, AlphaGo, and there was a young Chinese man, Kujie, who was considered the world's best Go player. Jeffrey, what happened next? Yeah, AlphaGo was able to defeat Kujie,、uh, who was China's best Go player. And even before that, in March of 2016, AlphaGo defeated Li Sedo, who was considered the best Go player of the past decade. Such a defeat against an American machine—that was hard to swallow for the Chinese, wasn't it? Yeah, especially because Go occupies such a special place in Chinese culture and history. It's often known as a game that military generals would play in terms of strategizing for battles. So it has a unique cultural place. Additionally, it was a Western company, Google, that had developed this technology to beat、um, the Chinese champion. And I think for those reasons, the stream of that game was actually censored. But、um, still, the defeat of of Kujie that triggered quite an intense debate in China, didn't it? And、uh, I said at the beginning that Xi Jinping、uh, talks of turning China into a global AI leader.、Uh, so, is the central government in Beijing then the main driving force? Is it a sort of typical Chinese top-down approach to innovation or technological development? No, I don't think it can be captured in just a centrally planned top-down approach. In the case of China's AI development, it was actually、uh, local governments like Tianjin who had ar- already established a、uh, hundred million scale funds. It was private companies who were already investing in the space that were leading the way, and the Chinese government was, in a sense,、uh, following closely and trying to send an even bigger signal that AI was a priority area for investment. But now there is a sort of overall strategy. Now it's also very much driven by the central government, isn't it? Yes, I would say it's guided in general terms from the central government. They don't want to drive it too specifically or too concretely because that could lead to reducing competition and room for innovation, which is really at the heart of this drive. So it's really all about economics then to develop the key technologies for the future, or is there also a sort of political element in it,、um, a race against the U.S., so to speak? Yes, I think that. 
one of the primary driving forces is definitely economics. China is a middle-income country trying to escape the middle-income trap. It's trying to develop technologies that allow it to climb up the value chain in terms of manufacturing, and AI is crucial in that. But AI is also a general-purpose technology that can be used for many things. So uh, as you mentioned, uh, it can be used for social control, and it has been implemented in a lot of smart security products, uh, expanding the surveillance apparatus in China. And it also could be a strategic technology for uh, deciding military power in the future. So all of those are encapsulated in China's push in AI. Now let's turn to the key question then. Where does China stand and how does its AI capabilities compare to those of other countries? You have looked into this. What's your overall assessment then? Yes, I think that AI is a capability that encompasses many different fields and it's an intangible thing in some respects so it's very hard to measure i would say across a variety of different proxies china is clearly second only to the u.s in this domain and that's accounting for the number of companies the amount of investment uh, the capabilities both upstream and downstream in terms of the hardware that's powering these technologies and then also the end products that are taking advantage of the technologies, as well as the data that is powering some of these algorithms. Across a variety of comparable metrics, uh, we can see that China is second only to the U.S. You mentioned um, all sorts of components there. When it comes to the hardware, processors, computer chips, then um, China but it's, it's still very reliant on, on U.S. imports, though, right? Yes, uh, especially for training AI algorithms. So these are... Uh, chips that are often graphics processing units that are built by a U.S. company called NVIDIA. And these are behind a lot of the computing enhancements that have driven AI algorithms. Now, China is making process in the chips that are at the end of the device that are running the AI algorithms on mobile devices. So that's a space where China is looking to invest in and potentially take advantage of AI advances to uh, develop their own Uh, indigenous chip capacity. Okay, so that's the chips. And um, then when it comes to data, we tend to think that in China, accessing the fuel for AI, so to speak, yeah, data is so easy, and there's a huge amount of it, vast amounts of data generated by a big Chinese IT companies. Uh, why then are they still lagging behind the US? Well, I think data is a key driver of AI technology. Deep learning uh, algorithms benefit when you feed more data, especially data that accounts for different scenarios where there's a diversity in the wide breadth of data. For China, that is one of their advantages is you have, a, for example, in e-commerce, uh, mobile payments, there's just a lot of uh, digitalization and digital data that they can leverage for uh, Chinese language data as well to power speech recognition algorithms. I think that data is not sufficient. It is a necessary but not sufficient component of being the top AI country. And it also involves uh, theoretical advances, fundamental research. So China still is lagging behind the U.S. in terms of creating the groundbreaking theoretical advances uh, like deep learning, like innovations within deep learning, Uh, to power the next wave of AI development. 
But are there certain areas when when it comes to AI um, applications? Are there certain areas where maybe China is particularly good at? I mentioned facial recognition, and in my introduction, I've heard about a startup that is uh, uh, developing AI technologies that ad- identify people by the way that they walk and mm. move. So, what are the areas where where China is particularly good at uh, at developing AI applications? Yeah, I would say facial recognition is definitely one of those key areas. You have two of the leading facial recognition companies in SenseTime and MegV Face++. And these companies are drawing from the top technical talent in the world as well. But they are also boosted by a government that is willing to be a key anchor customer for their products. And also by Ministry of Public Security that is willing to share data on faces with these companies. So they are boosted by that advantage and have been able to commercialize their products in smart security space, but also in financial security um, and also in the long tail of smartphone apps like camera gimmicks that you can do with your face as well. Recognition and surveillance technologies, maybe that's an area of strength, but where are they still far behind, let's say, the U.S.? If we're talking specific fields, uh, autonomous driving, Google's Waymo is still the clear leader in the field uh, in terms of general artificial intelligence. Uh, there are companies like DeepMind, uh, which is also part of Google, uh, OpenAI, who are still publishing the most fundamental research in these areas. And also within the data driver, it's not just about how much data you have. It's also about the diversity of that data. So while Chinese companies do have a lot of Chinese language data, they don't have the reach that some U.S. companies have in which they have data from Europe, um, U.S., Asia, and they're able to integrate all those data streams and have more of an international presence. Uh, But do you think that it's still realistic, uh, that uh, goal that Xi Jinping stated, that China um, should or will become the AI leader, the global leader by by 2030? I think it's realistic to say there'll be one of the primary innovation centers. Uh, To be the only primary innovation center, I think, is difficult to predict, especially because when you have clusters like Silicon Valley that benefit from such strong network effects the best and the brightest want to move there want to stay there and are building companies that are attracting more and more bright people to go and work there there's a stickiness to clusters and innovation centers and i think china is building clusters that are sticky in that way in beijing shanghai guangzhou shenzhen so they will be one of the primary ai innovation centers in 2030 by my prediction But do they have the capability to attract, let's say, international talent the way that Silicon Valley can? I think to some extent they have, but that is one of the key bottlenecks is a lot of the talent that is going back to China that is that they're attracting are people with Chinese background. Now, that could also be mitigated if these companies are able to expand overseas to set up international research bases. So Alibaba has overseas AI institutes in Seattle. Uh, Tencent has an overseas institute in the U.S. as well. And these companies are expanding into Europe as well to find talent, build research labs, and expand their pool of AI researchers. 
Now, you just mentioned Europe there for the first time. We've mainly discussed China and uh, the US. Now, one uh, debate that is very strong in Europe and that doesn't seem particularly strong in, in China is, of course, that about uh, ethical or privacy concerns over AI technologies. Uh, just running a facial recognition trial at a suburban railway station here in Berlin triggered an intense public debate. Um, that wasn't a rollout. It was just a trial for, for a few months. Um, Are there actually any such debates in China or is really the, the public perception here is that uh, there are no concerns over privacy in China? There's not as much of a robust, vigorous civil society in China to point out things like these trials right away. So in China, you might have that trial implemented. And as it becomes more and more salient to people's everyday lives, there are actually rooms for debate. Um, so the public is able to express their views. Um, to some extent, on these potentially sensitive issues. Uh, there are some issues that are just off-limits. For example, facial recognition being used in to disproportionately target minorities. That issue is off-limits. But in terms of facial recognition as a technology that could potentially uh, invade privacy, there are a lot of discussions about how to protect privacy in this new era of AI in China. And what about the social credit system? I mean, this idea by the Chinese uh, government in Beijing that by 2020 there is a sort of system whereby uh, people get um, allocated points about their behavior online, about their economic behavior and so forth. I mean, is there discussion about that and the sort of ethical dimension of such a system? Yeah, I haven't seen much of public discussion on that issue. I think that Again, it's about where it reaches a critical mass, where the public feels it. So right now, social credit system is only in select cities for trials. It's not a unified national system, even though that is the stated intention in a 2014 planning outline. And also, a lot of what are considered social credit schemes are company financial credit schemes that you would find in Western contexts as well. So I think that after these systems become more implemented and they affect larger critical mass of people. And if there are problems, there is a potential for some pushback. But again, it's much more limited than in other country contexts. Now, overall, uh, China seems to be moving very, very quickly when it comes to AI uh, research and development. Uh, the US is still the, the world leader, as you said. Uh, does Europe risk being left behind? Yeah, I think there is definitely a risk of Europe being left behind. And that's partly due to the strategic nature of technology development nowadays, in the sense that companies that are first to the market in areas such as uh, social media, these internet giants like Facebook, Alibaba, Tencent, Baidu, Google, these are the companies that are now investing in AI research and AI institutes because they, they can derive the most value from the digital data on users they've already accumulated in years past. So you see how the winners in this first cycle now become the winners in this next cycle of strategic competition. So Europe potentially needs to find ways where uh, new elements of an AI-empowered economy where uh, Europe can potentially find synergies with so if robotics becomes better, uh, European firms who already have an existing advantage in industrial engineering might position themselves in the robotics category. Or companies like GraphCore in the UK, uh, we've talked about how hardware is a key enabler for AI technologies. GraphCore is an example of a company that will only become more valuable as AI becomes more prevalent. Is it then 
really all about a race into the future and competition? Or did we maybe get it wrong if we always look at it in terms of strategic advantages and competition between superpowers? And is AI the development really an area where there's a lot of room for collaboration? I think the hard thing about this, but also the fun thing is AI can be so many things to so many different people. So we've mentioned some of the strategic dynamics, but also if AI can enable better medical diagnosis, if a Chinese firm is able to develop that to make a tool that allows us to better detect cancer, that's a benefit for the entire world. If machine translation technologies develop to the point where children can grow up reading novels from Zimbabwe, there is the potential for AI to really bring humanity together. And we can look at this from a more techno-global perspective. But then it's really a question of how we apply it yeah, and how we train our algorithms. The, the technologies as such, they don't carry any value, do they? Yeah, I think there are some cases where we think that technologies themselves are inherently bad or good. You know, it's it's hard to isolate the technology from the context in which it's implemented. So with facial recognition and policing, there might be the same technology of recognizing faces from surveillance camera footage, but the way in which it's implemented, the false positive rate of mistaking the wrong person uh, as you're trying to identify criminal behavior, that false positive rate, you can set it at different percentage points. You can set it at 5% if you're willing to accept a 5% error for countries that are wanting to be more vigorous in protecting civil liberties. You can set it at a much lower rate, like 0.1%. So I would stray away from saying that technologies are intrinsically morally problematic, but rather look at the context in which they're implemented. So we always have to look at the context in which uh, technologies are implemented. Uh, that also goes for artificial intelligence. Jeffrey, thanks for talking to me. That was Jeffrey Ding, researcher at the Institute for the Future of Humanity at the University of Oxford. Thanks for listening. Join us again soon and bye for now. You have been listening to Merrick's Experts, the podcast from the Makato Institute for China Studies in Berlin. If you want to learn more about our work, please visit us at merricks.org.